Oh, are we live? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching from the YouTube side to see. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the delay. <laughs> Hi, world. We're officially back from hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> Agent Chat Live has returned. Oh, hello, everyone. A lot of people saying hi. Hey, friends. Hey, puppers. <laughs> hey, we get to say it still. Oh, wait. Yeah. Can you still not hear us? No. He said, there we go. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. So today, introductions, I feel like, are barely needed. But <laughs> I'm Danny, and I got invited because I, well, this is why I think. I'm the host of the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story. We just need to shape it so that we're the star, or something along those lines. <laughs> And today we're here to talk about Sarah N. Fisk, who is a former medical engineer who has made the switch to publishing way, way, way back in 2011. They have worked in publish the publishing industry as an editorial assistant, author's assistant, publicist, and art director. Sarah is a former Pitch Wars mentor, board member, and agent liaison. They host the podcast Queries, Qualms, and Quirks and have a passion for spreadsheets. Sarah is, Sarah is one of the founding members of Disability in Publishing. Yay. Hi. Yay. Hi. <laughs> oh, look at everyone saying hi. It's exciting. So, yeah. Well, I just want to say, like, Danny, thanks for um, doing this. So for anyone who doesn't know, Agent Chat Live is a was a regular show they used to do where I interviewed literary agents. And um, now I'm a literary agent. So <laughs> I asked Danny to interview me. So exciting. So yeah, feel free to pop your questions in the chat because we will probably get to those at some point. All right, so the goal here is to help potential clients get to know the agent a little better. Viewers are welcome to drop questions in the comments, like I just said. But I want to start off saying that I won't be asking any questions that a Google search or an agent can answer. Things like word count, genre definitions. And I also won't be asking what I'd like to call pre-queries, which is like when people ask if you'd be interested in mermaids in space. <laughs> Although I think you are on record saying you would love a story about mermaids <laughs> in space, so I don't know if we could deny that. Uh, yeah, so let's start off easy. Yeah. What categories and genres do you represent? Yeah, so I represent um, middle grade, all genres, young adult, all genres, um, adult science fiction fantasy, and adult genre romance. So this is, I think, the most confusing thing for people is like, I represent romance, the genre, not just books that have romance in them that are other genres. <laughs> so um, yeah, and I don't represent um, graphic novels. Oh, okay. That, no, that was a very good clarification. <laughs> Yeah. Because it's such a fine line that people do get confused mm -hmm. over, I feel. So why did you get into agenting? Because you've done everything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of it was due to being a Pitch Wars mentor, like doing that kind of work, helping a writer get to the next level. Um, also, I have a pretty firm grasp on the publishing industry, like as a business. And I know that, like, that's something that some writers really struggle with. And so I like to be that kind of bridge between them as the artists and the industry as an industry. Um, and so 
the the experience I had with Pitch Wars let, kind of led me to that. I was a publicist before. My favorite part about being a publicist was helping the authors that I worked with kind of build systems that would help them in the future. And so all this kind of like led me to thinking about agenting. And then I had a lot of conversations with agents about it. I did a lot of research about it. Um, I spent a long time really looking into it before I started pursuing it seriously. Because I know I've seen where agents like enter as an agent and sign a whole bunch of clients. And then they like realize they, they didn't realize what they were getting in for and they leave. And I just wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. So, uh, yeah. And then I applied for internships forever, assistant positions and that kind of thing. And then Michelle Richter at Fuse Literary offered me an internship. And so I did that, um, until I got my job at Tobias. So I'm at Tobias Literary Agency now. Cool. How long is a long time, though? That I was, like, learning about it and thinking about it? Yeah, before you made um, the jump. Over a year. I would say maybe a year and a half. Awesome. Okay, so I'm going to give you a chance to brag about yourself a little. So please take your own advice and take full advantage of it. <laughs> if someone is thinking about query querying you and your wish list lines up with their work, why should someone query you? Yeah. Um, so I am a newer agent, which means I don't have a full list right now. So I am like kind of aggressively trying to um, take on clients, not too quickly, but um I definitely know some agents who don't have a lot of room on their lists, you know? So, um, and I then will have like, you know, more time for the clients that I do have. And then also to me, one thing that's really important is like kind of accessibility, of course, with disability and publishing and everything. But um, I tailor my communication to the author that I'm working with. So I want to make sure that they're the most comfortable. So sometimes agents will like kind of prescribe communication styles um, versus I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing communication wise matches up with what the author needs and what the author wants. And so that's a really big important thing for me. And I think it's an important thing for a writer too is because um, I've talked to so many writers who are like, my agent hasn't emailed me back and it's been three months. Like what should I do? And I'm like, just, email them and be like, when am I going to hear back from you? Um, and uh, my clients, of course, are always welcome to do that. So yeah, I hope that was <laughs> <laughs> <Is> that good. <laughs> Sounds great to me. Although I can't imagine waiting three months ever. I don't know. I always fear that type of answer for me personally, because I feel like I'm going to become my agent's best friend. <laughs> just like because I already DM you a ton, so I'd be mm -hmm. like, hey. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what would you change about the industry if you actually had the power to do so? Is this the magic wand question? I'm pretty soon. Yeah, it's the anti-magic wand question. That's right. <laughs> um I mean, the biggest thing to me is um the salary of staff and the number of staff, like I would increase um, the number of staff that each publishing, that whatever publishing house I was like theoretically in charge of had, and also uh, increase their salary so that they could afford to just 
do editing and not have to do any other jobs like a lot of editors have to do to make ends meet. And also so they could stay. A lot of editors are leaving publishing right now because they just can't make it work financially um, because New York is such an inexpensive city. So anything to make publishing more survivable for employees that don't have like, you know, someone supporting them, whether it's family or a spouse or something. Yeah, I remember like listening to the show during the course of the pandemic and people were excited that virtual working and working from afar was becoming viable. And I was wondering like how that was with the world somewhat reopening up or I guess depending where you are. It's not reopening up much by me, but. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of the big publishers are at this point where you can come in the office if you want to, but you don't have to yet. Um, I think some publishers are going, pushing kind of towards that model long-term, but some of the publishers are not. They're they're continuing to say that this is only temporary and you will be expected to come back. So um, I do think there are a lot, a lot of jobs in publishing that can be done remotely easily. There are obviously some that can't, but I think that most of them can. A fair assessment of your industry. See, people, this is what happens when you take the time to actually do your research before you come <laughs> in with great answers. So if you sign a client, what can they expect after that? Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of depends on the shape of the manuscript. So sometimes I, sh- I sign a client knowing that I want to do edits before we go out on submission. Um, and so basically I would try to get my edits to you as quickly as possible. You let me know when you can get them back and we'll start working towards that schedule. Um, and I, that is, I do say on the call, like what kind of edits I would want to do before going out on submission. Um, and sometimes you get a manuscript that's like ready to go and it's clean. And so we would just kind of uh, almost immediately start building the submission list and um, try to go out on submission within, you know, maybe a month or two. Uh, and then I already talked about my communication style, but I always, I have an intake form and I ask my clients um, what they prefer in terms of communication, um, how often they'd like me to check in on them whenever they're writing something new, whenever they're on submission, do they want to hear about the re- rejections as they come in or do they want it like kind of a monthly summary or uh, do they want details on the rejections? Do they want to know what the editor said or they not want to know? Um, and so it re- is really customized and I, of course, keep all that information in a spreadsheet <laughs> so that I can find it easily. <laughs> Here's an off shot question. I've always wondered about you and your legendary spreadsheets. Do you color code them? No, I think color coding is, is evil. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I will do is conditional formatting. So like sometimes, I'll format something so that like it'll be red if it hasn't been done yet or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, uh, if you design a spreadsheet well enough, you don't need color coding. This is such an engineer answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> when this is over, I'll show you my spreadsheets. <laughs> so what does that process normally look like for you once a client does sign with you? Um, yeah, so I have I have one client right now. <laughs> so um, yeah. Um, so basically, I am I'm working on her edits right now, and I hope to get them to her by the end of next week. Um, and 
Um, <laughs> everyone's mad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you're that. just not designing your spreadsheets well enough <laughs> color coding um yeah oh, i forgot what i was saying oh yeah so i'm working on her edits i'm gonna send those to her hopefully by the end of next week we'll see what happens um and and then she'll let me know whenever she can have those edits done and almost immediately because i don't think it will take her a lot of time because they're not big edits um i will start looking at building a submission list so that whenever she is done with her edits, we can go out on submission as soon as possible. Did you tell said client that they are the first? She knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just big parties for all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till they're on QQQ. <laughs> By the way, is QQQ an acceptable acronym? Because I frequently yeah, just say what, QQQ. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as we have all heard, and if you haven't heard, get ready. So, this week, Pitch Wars has announced that this <laughs> is their final year. Sarah was a very integral part of, I wouldn't say the forming, because I don't know if it's that far, but you've basically been there for as long as time can remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was so, a mentor the first year. Oh, yeah, so you were around. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, do you care to share a statement on Pitch Wars ending? <laughs> Yeah, I think um, so. I think a lot of people don't realize this that Brenda, the concept of Pitch Wars, that there are a lot of other um, similar ones now, Brenda invented that. Like she invented the kind of open mentorship program in the writing industry. She also invented Twitter pitch contests. Pitmad was the first Twitter pitch contest. There was no Twitter pitch contest before Pitmad. Um, and so even though Pitch Wars and Pit Mad are ending, I think that they're going to continue on influencing the industry, you know, because like we have, we have a lot of other mentoring um, programs that were kind of modeled off Pitch Wars. We have ones that were literally modeled off Pitch Wars, like they consulted with Brenda to create their program. Um, and then we have a whole bunch of Twitter pitch events that are modeled after Pit Mad. And so I I encourage people to like continue kind of that spirit forward and do what you can to make publishing a little bit nicer, a little bit easier for people. Um, but just um, there, cause there has been like a couple of people contacting them saying they want to take pitch wars over for them, or they want to do, they want to take pit mad over. And I think like Brenda has decided to end pitch wars and pit mad. And I think everyone should respect that decision and um, create your own thing, create something new, create something better. Like we've talked a lot about PitMad. We would change the way that PitMad was run if we could, but the problem was it had so much momentum that we couldn't change things because it would be confusing and most people wouldn't realize what had changed and that kind of thing. So I think um, just take time to like, if you want to start something like that, just like think it over and think like, what would I do differently and do that? Cause I think that's gonna, that is what's gonna make future programs successful. I could only imagine trying to revamp it mid it going because even just adding certain hashtags like created mass confusion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's been a while. So you have to remind me, do we take audience questions before or after the quick round? I usually do them after. Okay. So mm -hmm. here we go. World quick round question time, which means get your questions in now in the comments. So what is your favorite snack? 
Yeah. So this is a tough one for me because um, most of my favorite snacks I can't eat anymore because I can't eat soy as of a couple of years ago. So I would have said Cheez-Its. I still love Cheez-Its, but I can eat like half a serving without feeling like I have died. Um, and so some of my favorite ones now, I really love Kalamata olives specifically. If I can get Kalamata olives and some like salty cheese together, that's like really, really good. Um, so European. <laughs> and also I eat uh, Theo makes a almond salted almond chocolate bar that has no soy in it. Um, and so I usually have um, those kind of stockpiled at my desk. <laughs> Do you have any right now? I'm not at my desk right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what do these look like? All right. Mm -hmm. So since you are such selective on things you can intake, what is your preferred caffeine source? Coffee. <laughs> I also really, really love Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you are just a walking billboard for all these snacks, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. I have a cheese it shirt too. Which we've frequently seen on this show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In the comments, let us know if you're shocked by that answer. <laughs> so what word do you irrationally hate? I know that I wrote this question, but I honestly don't really have that problem. I have words that I hate to spell. And until I was agent liaison, liaison was one of them. But now I typed it so much that I know how to spell it. So it's fine. Huh. But I don't, I don't really have strong feelings about words. I know other people do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> what are some you hate? Enjoy. Really? I hate the word enjoy. Huh. I don't mind in activity and the act of enjoying. I just yeah. don't like the word enjoy. I don't like the word supper. But okay. I also think that has to do with when I was super young. I thought supper was like stone soup only. I didn't realize it was synonymous <laughs> with dinner. So I thought it was like a specific dinner. <laughs> and okay. I thought it was just like a bad dinner. So I was like, I don't want supper. I want dinner. Um, <laughs> and uh, words that I can't spell. It turns out I learned today I can't spell impedes. Mm, okay. And I don't know what There's autocorrect no was word. changing it to. Yeah. But my coworker was like, what are you saying? I was like, impedes. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, let us know what words you hate in the comments too. Because <laughs> I want to know. Mm -hmm. What person do you want to read a memoir from? Oh my God, I was thinking so hard about this one today. And so uh, when I ask this question, I usually would say like it could be fictional or um, a real person, dead or alive. Yep. And, um, God, like, honestly, like, Harry Dresden, like, I feel like he could really <laughs> write the shit out of the memoir, you know? Um, that's a fictional character for anyone who doesn't know. And um, I don't know a real person. I'm not a huge memoir person, though. So there is that. You know, Harry Dresden is a good catalog. Also, doesn't he like, live forever, basically? I don't, and he's really hard to kill. That's all I know. There's been so many books where I'm like, surely he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> what, who, or not who, who is your favorite superhero? Mm, this is a good question um, that I always loved hearing the answers to, mainly because I don't really have a favorite. My niece said um, Elsa. When I asked her this question, and I just thought that was such a good answer because she is, I mean, she's kind of a superhero. Um, but I, 
I don't know. I really enjoy um, like the Guardians of the Galaxy series. For me, it's more about like character than anything else in relationships. And I, I so I, like, oh, I do love Drax. I love Drax so much. I'm going to go with Drax. <laughs> that is not where I thought you'd end up at all. <laughs> that was a fascinating journey. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That's how my brain works. Welcome to my brain, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your single best query letter tip? Um, yeah. So my single best query letter tip is to read other successful query letters and also back cover copy of novels and study um, what they've done that you think really works and try to emulate it for your own book. And a great place to listen to successful query letters is yeah, the podcast. Queries, Clowns, and Kirks, um, where uh, successful RME and published authors read their successful query letters and discuss their journey to publication. And it's not only in the auditory format. You happily post a link for those who process visually better. Yes, the queries. Um, you'll always find the text in the show notes of the query. So I feel like this is an unfair question for you to ask, but because you made it a pattern, we have to stick to it. What is a good literary name for a cat or a dog? Yeah. Um, so my my dog has a literary name, which a lot of people don't realize. Um, even when I say his name, his name's Jasper. Um, he was named after Twilight. Uh, yeah. So not necessarily because we loved Jasper, the character, it's just like a good name, a good name for a dog, especially. And also his name in the shelter was Chester. Oh. And so when we said Jasper the first time, he responded to it because I think it was sounded similar. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but we went through a couple of different name options from the Twilight series at the time. What were the other ones? Um, we were looking at Cullen. That was the thing that, that we were probably most, um, but it just like, it didn't fit, you know? Yeah. What is your favorite thing? Oh, about- wait. Oh. Sorry, I have another answer to the question. I oh, forgot. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. No, I love magic cats. And so, like, Mogget from the Old Kingdom series, which is, like, Sabriel um, by Garth Nix. Uh, I love him. And so I think it would be really cool to have a cat named after Mogget. And I also love Pounce from the Becca Cooper series by Tamara Pierce. Um, and both of those cats are are not really cats. <laughs> They're cats in disguise. <laughs> I always said if I had to have a car- cat named after a fictional character, it would be Mr. Kitty Fantastico. What is that from? Buffy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I and definitely watched Buffy when I was a teenager, but like, I don't think I've seen all of it. Well, the cat never made, I don't think, an actual physical appearance. It was just mm. mentioned, oh, we have a cat. We named it Mr. Kitty Fantastico. And then two seasons later, they were like, don't touch the crossbow. Remember what happened to Mr. Kitty Fantastico? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> By the way, spoilers from 2002, everyone, I guess. <laughs> but it was like a one-off line and everyone's like, not the cat, but didn't get airtime. So what's your favorite thing about being a literary agent? Um, yeah, I think it's it's working with authors. I think it's helping authors kind of understand the push, pu- publishing process different, uh, better. I used to, when I was agent liaison for Pitch Wars, um, I was open, I think a lot of people knew this, to 
people DMing me and asking me like, hey, this is the situation. Is this, is this shady? Is this on the up and up? That kind of thing. And um, I still allow people to do that. And I'm still happy to answer questions. It's just like a gut check of whether something shady or not. Um, and so I think that's my favorite thing is just kind of like guiding authors and what can be a really complicated and confusing <laughs> industry. I'm definitely one of those people <laughs> that goes to you. Yeah. So what are the last couple of books you read that you actually really enjoyed? So I had my Goodreads open so I could just like flick it open. Cause I was like, I know I'm not going to remember. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I did read, um, uh, like a Sister by Kelly Garrett, which is coming out March 8th, and it is so good. Kelly's amazing. I mean, Kelly's one of my best friends, but also she's a really good writer. I love the Hollywood Homicide series. Um, and so Like a Sister is about a girl who her dad is like a, a music mogul, and she's kind of estranged from him. And her sister, uh, it, you know, was like daddy's favorite or whatever, and was like a reality star and... Um, and um, she finds out that her sister is dead from a, a newspaper headline. And um, it seems like no one is really taking it seriously. They think she's died from um, injecting drugs, but uh, she knows that her sister is terrified of needles <laughs> um, and would not have injected drugs. And so she, she starts investigating what happened. Um, and it's really good. It's, and it's like, it's a, it's a little bit seriouser than more serious, not seriouser, a little bit <laughs> more serious than Hollywood Homicide, but it's still got a lot of the humor that Kelly is like known for. I also really enjoyed Iron Widow. Um, if you haven't read that, it's like a, um, an imperial China with meccas, <laughs> basically. Um, it's, I, it's, <laughs> It's very queer, and it also um, there's this thing I hate that happens, especially in young adult, where you have a villain who's like the worst person on the planet, right? Like has killed puppies and like has killed millions of people and like whatever, and then the the hero of the story will get a chance to defeat them and battle or whatever, and the hero is like, oh, I can't kill them because that would make me as bad as them, right? This novel does not have that problem <laughs> at all. And I love it. <laughs> um, and I also really enjoyed The Coldest Touch by Isabel Sterling. And I started my year off with Call Us What We Carry by Amanda Gorman, which was amazing. Really, really good. Um, but the last six weeks I've been reading for the audiobook awards, so I can't tell you any of those books that I read. <laughs> Oh, another thing we should have thrown in your bio. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put that one in there. <laughs> All right. So that endeth the round of quick round questions. I apologize. It's not that quick. As you know, on my show, they're not quick either. <laughs> but here we go. We get to talk to the people. So yeah. uh, I don't have the power to pull it up on screen. Oh, you sorry. Do. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, so at 8.03, Jules asked i'm curious to know your agent type in terms of editorial hey jules um yeah so i am not i am slightly editorial i don't like i'm not highly editorial um i usually will not take on a book that i think needs a lot of like a lot a lot of editorial work 
what my expertise is editorially is taking a book that is almost there and adding kind of smaller elements usually that will just make it more appealing to the market or more appealing to readers. So um, like one of the things that I'm having um, my client do is uh, there, there are two societies in this book. And so I'm just having her strengthen like the cultural differences between the two societies. Cause I think that just gives like a richer reading experience. Right. Um, and and so I usually am not going to do big edits and I say that, and I said that in pitch wars too, but then I also like Lee Mar, when I took her on, we, we did a massive edit on hers, like a massive rewrite. We deleted like 80 pages and added a whole B plot. Um, and so even though I say that, like there are always going to be books that I feel like that I feel so strongly about that I'm going to, um, probably, you know, do some extra work on. <laughs> All right, next up is Julianne, right under. And so what do you look for in a query? Um, so uh, this is going to sound like, uh, I don't know. I don't know the word, but I'm looking for what the book is about. <laughs> um, you would be surprised how many queries like don't do that. They don't tell you what the book is about at all. They tell you like why they wrote it and, um, and how they think it's going to fit in the market, but it doesn't actually say what the book is about. So that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, within that, uh, the two biggest things for me are um, character, uh, sorry, three biggest things are character, conflict, and stakes. I really love a character that I can kind of latch onto a character I want to spend a whole book with, right? Um, and then conflict and stakes are what keep you reading. So those are my big ones. Laura asks, what has been the most surprising part about agenting? Hmm. I think the most surprising thing for me is like constantly feeling like you're behind. <laughs> like you, <laughs> I don't know any agent who feels like they're caught up and they're not behind because like submissions just keep coming. You know, you have folds to read and then you have people who have agent offers. So you have to move their folds up in the, the queue and read them before to see if you want to offer. Um, and it just feels like I, I, I never feel like I don't have work to do. <laughs> Hayden asks, I am interested in, no, it is, is it truly important to have your manuscript professionally edited? I've heard it both ways, but nothing was concrete. I think I answered this on Twitter the other day, my last ask agent, but, um, uh, you are not expected to pay for a professional edit before querying. Um, you are not expected really at any point um, to pay for professional editing as a traditionally published author, self-published author's different situation. Um, some people do choose to do that. And if you have the money and you want to spend it on that, then um, go for it. But it's definitely not an expectation that you have a manuscript professionally edited before you start submitting. You, What most people do and what I recommend and what most people would recommend is to have uh, critique partners or beta readers read it for you. So those are people that you, you read their work and give them feedback and they read your work and give you feedback um, so that you do have like some level of editing, you know, but uh, you don't you don't have to pay for it. All right, next up is Crystal, who asks, 
It's a creepy when an author you've rejected continues to follow you on social media and stuff. No, it's not. Um, I it, it's such a weird thing. Danny and I were talking about before <laughs> we went live. Um, it it is such a weird thing, like um, to know people and then to reject them, and it's, it's like. <sighs> I'm going to go off subject a little bit, but like I talked about this in my last, in my video ask agent that I did a couple of weeks ago. And it, it's as like, as someone who came to it as an author and was an author first for a long time, I know all the work that goes into a query, right? I know all the work that goes into submissions and um, all the emotions having to do with submissions and all the emotions having to do with rejection and how devastating a single rejection can be. But then I also have to send like 40 of those a day. And so I have to at some point like create an emotional barrier where I'm not just like feeling devastated every time I reject someone, which can make it seem like agents don't care. Agents are cold, but it's just like it's so it's such a hard thing emotionally, especially when you know what a writer has gone through. Um, and so I, I try to separate the person and the rejection as much as possible. I hope that writers do that when they submit to me. I hope that writers know that just because I've rejected their manuscript doesn't mean that I don't like them or I don't want to be friends with them or I don't want them to submit to me in the future. That's a big thing. Um, Cause some people will say, Oh, this agent sent me a form rejection. They obviously hate my writing and I'm never going to submit to them. Don't do that. Don't assume that. Um, my pitch was mentee, Aaron Lucan, who, is now my client actually. Um, she was not gonna, yeah, she is my first client. Um, she was not gonna submit to me that year because I had not requested the year before. And so she thought, oh, Sarah just doesn't like my writing. And then I had tweeted something like, if you have a, um, you know, a queer fantasy and you don't submit to me, like I will die and then haunt you from the grave or something over dramatic like that. And so she decided to submit um, because of that tweet. And then we chose her and, um, I loved her writing. I always thought her writing was just like fantastic. I was surprised she didn't get an agent after pitch wars. Um, and so, uh, Matt, who's one of my mentors at the agency had said, you know, if you do you know of anyone that, you know, is a really good writer, maybe you want to reach out to them. And she was the first one that I thought of because I, I just like always, always really believed in her work. Um, so yeah, even if someone rejects, even if agent rejects you, doesn't mean that they don't want to have anything to do with you. Um, and I, I answer a lot of questions on Twitter about the publishing industry. I try to educate as much as I can. And so um, I definitely think, uh, like, I hope, I hope that writers still have a reason to follow me after um, I have turned down one of their manuscripts. You're a great place to follow for news on things. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> All right, next on the comment section, Laura has challenged you to come fix her spreadsheets. She knows <laughs> I will. <laughs> All righty. Next up. Oh, is... I just answered Anna's question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you were able to find it. I was like, I don't see yeah. any question marks. All right, I already answered that, so we're good. Oh, Stephanie has a question for you. I love Cheez-Its. Why do they put soy in so many products today? <laughs> I don't. Well, no, I do know why. Is because it's a useful product and it's cheap. That's the big thing. It's cheap. So you can do it like soy lecithin is probably the most common soy additive in foods. Um, and you can make it with multiple other products. You can make sunflower lecithin, for example. Um, but it's soy is cheaper. That's why. 
It sucks. I hate it. <laughs> so forgive me if I say your name wrong, but Joanny? Joanny. Joanny mm-hmm. asks, are there any alternatives to pitch wars you recommend or what to look for in a good mentoring program? Yeah, I think, um, so the one that I do recommend is We Need Diverse Books. It is a smaller program. So obviously, um, uh, I mean, not a lot of people get in, right? So it is very competitive, but they they know what they're doing and they have writers' best interests at heart. And shall I say, I know that they're not catty behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. See, and this is why we follow Sarah. We learn things. <laughs> All right. Next up, Stephanie asks, do you prefer comps or a story first or story first in a query? It doesn't matter to me that I, though I am finding I have a slight preference towards having that the info paragraph at the beginning, the like title is a so many thousand words genre, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just because it helps place me a little bit when I start reading the query, like it is a genre is the most important thing for me. If I know, if I know what the genre is, as I start reading the query and query tracker doesn't matter so much because you have to put the genre in anyway. So I see it, but um, it doesn't, it honestly doesn't matter. All right. I think we're all caught up with the questions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, Kaylee. Hey, everyone. Oh, it's so exciting. Puppers, we're back, hopefully. (laughs) Oh, Kaylee does not have a question, but Kaylee just wants (laughs) to let it be known for those who listen on the audio format. Because this is becoming a podcast episode, I assume, right? Or no? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to put it on the podcast, too. Mm -hmm. Woo! So, Kaylee just wants to say that they are super proud of Sarah and all that Sarah has accomplished. (laughs) Thank you. Julianne asks now, what are you most excited about in the potential authors? Yeah, so I I say this all the time. The book is a thing. Um, the book is the most important thing. I, I want a book. So what am I most excited about in potential authors is the book. And what I'm most excited about in books is I like stories that feel a little just like fresh or stories that have a really strong voice or a strong hook. Um, I get a lot of queries that read like they could be any number of kind of whatever genre they are, um, books that are on the shelf. So I want something that just feels a little bit different, slightly different, and may have a different element. So, um, the example that I use is Little Thieves, which is a fantasy retelling of a fairy tale. Um, it is a lesser known fairy tale. So there's that element is like kind of interesting and unique. And then also it has like the strong, like German um, culture component. And I think that helps it stand out too. It's a little bit different from what we've read before. Uh, so those are the, those are the main things I like um, when a query just like makes me excited to read the pages. That's just a nice summary. Make me excited to read your pages. <laughs> I have a question, actually. Oh, since, okay. Or should I type it in on YouTube so it no, pops you up? No, you can say it. <laughs> All right. Have you thought of just, like, fun events? Because I hear, like, I actually learned through listening through Agent Talk Pub Talk and all that, that agents help create, like, events to help promo, like, book releases and such. 
have you thought of like any cool like events that people could do since you are an event planner? Um, not really. So here's the like dirty secret that no one likes to talk about is like events aren't really the best way to promote a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, events are a great place for fans that you already have to connect with you as an author. Um, people who have never heard of authors are not coming to their events. So, um, events just aren't, aren't an excellent, um, way to promote a book, to get people, get word out about your book. Um, agents, some agents do publicity work, some agents don't. Um, and the, I think part of it too, is the agents know, like the work that an agent or an author can do to promote their work just pales in comparison to what a publisher is able to do in terms of effectiveness. So, um, sometimes it's like, you have to choose where you're putting your energy and it may not be the most efficient use of your energy to promote a book. Um, and, but events are fun and I love doing events. So, um, I, I started before I was a event planner. I, um, would just kind of plan author events for fun. Like I would basically find whatever venue would like have me and let me uh, plan an event. So one of the things that I did uh, was I planned, we called it the sunshine tour. And so it was eight um, young adult authors who lived in Florida. And we went to a couple different bookstores around Florida. So like in Miami and Orlando and Tampa. Um, and that was a whole bunch of fun. And I think it's also part of why I got my job because they were looking for someone to plan author events. So um, I still like to do that kind of thing. If I come up with a, like a cool idea for an author event, I will probably do it just for fun. But uh, like I said, it's not necessarily the best effective <laughs> promotion. So this is now officially the second person that has admitted they got in this industry through planning a book tour. Really? Who oh. else has said that? Sarah Simpson Weiss. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Sarah came on and she was like, yeah, I just yeah. planned like a book tour because I wanted this author to come visit my library. So I had mm -hmm. to find other places to make it worth the trip. Yeah. So that's the secret, folks. <laughs> Plan a book tour for yourself or someone else. Um, I don't know if that is like <laughs> the only way or I mean the most effective way, but yeah, it does help to have to show initiative, I think, and to um, have some experience. Someone will be thankful <laughs> along the way. So we don't have to go the full hour um, if we don't have any more questions. But if you have any questions, feel free to ask them. Even if they're just like querying questions, like ask agent questions, I'm always happy to answer those. Meanwhile, I did wear my glasses today specifically to like channel you. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing these glasses the other day and my niece is like, what are you wearing? And I was like, these are my glasses. She's like, no, your glasses are blue. And I was like, I have, I have many pairs of glasses. And she's like, what? Like she just didn't understand that you could have different pairs of glasses, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Cause like she mainly watches cartoons and they, you know, if they wear glasses, it's the same thing. So um, she was like really confused. Cause I do have two pairs of blues. To be fair, I've had this pair of glasses for five years. Oh, wow. And I haven't updated it since. But Jay has a question. Where would you go on your dream book tour? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So uh, Brenda Drake, who's one of my very good friends, her book was published in the U.S., but it um, it was sold, you know, translation rights to France. 
and it took off in France, right? Like it's way more popular in France than it is in the United States for some reason, whatever. The the French market just loved it. Um, and so her publisher sent her on a her French publisher like sent her to a signing tour in France. So yes, that, I want that. <laughs> that <Me. laughs> right. All right. Stephanie has now asked, what's on your middle grade wish list? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, my wish list is at sarahinfist.com, so you can go there. But um, I'm really uh, looking for kind of uh, sibling stories as number one is one of my favorite things that I like to see, especially like complicated sibling stories. So a lot of times people will say, oh, you want sibling stories? My person has a sister. That's not what I mean. I mean, like the relationship is complicated and a source of conflict itself. Um I remember I was just talking to an editor today, like me and my sister did not get along when we were children. I think our parents kind of played us off of each other too, which didn't help. (laughs) Um, But also we're just very, we have very different personalities and I'm sure like that was part of it as well. Um, But it was like, I could be as mean to her as I wanted, but like no one else could be mean to her, you know? And I feel like that's a pretty common like sibling, you know, relationship. Yep. Um, and then, as, but like, as soon as I moved out, when I moved out to go to college, we started getting along way better. And she's like one of my really good friends now. So um, that's, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about complicated sibling relationships. Right. Um, but I also, I have been looking for books set in very small towns or in mid mis, Midwestern and farm country would be awesome. I really like, I like wish list ideal, ideal wish list would be like, some sort of Midwestern farm like setting with maybe something like a mystery or something creepy going on or some kind of like folklore involved, um, like monsters in a cornfield kind of thing, you know, would be really cool. That's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. But like middle grade. So like not too scary. I'm a, I am a chicken. So I don't want anything too scary, but, um, Oh, let's see what else. Those are the big things I'm especially looking for, as always, like queer representation, um, disability representation, uh, neurodivergent representation, and in disability, I'm including chronic illness. I have a chronic illness, so I would especially love to see um, not stories about those things, but like, you know, kids having their regular kid adventures who also have these things, right? I'm going to stop there because I could probably go on for a long time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next up is from Jay again. Where would you go on your dream pizza talk live tour? I just want to visit all of the pubbers, all of the people who have, you know, been watching my YouTube channel for a while and engaging with it. Um, that's, that's my main thing. Like, I don't even care where it is. I would just like to see the people. Hear that? We're going to Australia, everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, tomorrow we're going to go to Australia. Well, then again, I should say you're going to Australia. I don't know where to fight it. <laughs> That's a good question. On this Pizza Talk live tour, are you picking up us as hitchhikers or are we being <laughs> abandoned as you travel through? I think we talked about having like a, a bus, like just picking up people and going. World tour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Anna asks, or Anna, Anna, not sure which one. Sorry. Uh, asks, can you speak about where or how to include content warnings in a query? 
Yeah. So I, I have a space for them on my query manager form um, where I specifically, I say, please let me know about any content warnings, especially related to two things that are particular triggers for me. Um, which doesn't mean like you shouldn't include other things, but like, I'm, I just want to make sure that those are covered, especially. Um, however, if someone doesn't have that on their query form, uh, right kind of like near the end. Um, so you can do it kind of in the same paragraph as you have like the word count and genre and title and everything, or you can do it just right before your salutation. Um, I wouldn't do it after your salutation because a lot of people kind of just like zone out on that. They don't read after salutation. So, uh, and then how to, um, you just say, you know, there's a content warning for these specific things. Um, or, you know, these things. So you can say on the page, sexual assault, for example, um, child, child endangerment, um, <laughs> death of a pet is one that I've seen. Um, and you can, if you want to, um, clarify what is in the pages that you have initially sent versus what's in the full manuscript. So if, if you have a content for warning for something, but it doesn't show up in the first three chapters, which is what I request, you can say, um, you know, this is in later in the book or whatever. Oh, that's smart. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Julianne asks, what is your favorite science fiction? My favorite science fiction. Um, that's a hard question to answer. I think I'm hope I'm, I'm assuming you mean in books, right? So I'm going to stick to books, but um, I think my favorite science fiction is, is not necessarily like the big, like hard science fiction or, or I don't know how to describe it. Like, the analogy to epic fantasy and science fiction, you know, like these big sci-fi worlds. I think some of my favorite science fiction is um, like smaller <laughs> science fiction. So like, uh, a, you know, advanced technologies in our world or um, close to uh, near future. Sorry, I forgot the term for a minute. Um, I really, really enjoyed Rob Hart's Warehouse. The warehouse, which is kind of like a sci-fi thriller um, in a near future economic dystopia. Um, so things like that, where it's not necessarily like a big, huge sci-fi world, though I do enjoy those sometimes too. Um, uh, it's just I tend to more be drawn to kind of the more grounded science fiction. Nice. Next up, Hayden asked, what is the link where you talk about oh. queries? But... I threw it in. You shared it. Thank you. Yeah. So you can go there to find out more about the Queries, Qualms, and Quirks podcast. To sarahnicholas.com. That's Sarah with an H and Nicholas without <laughs> an H. <laughs> One of my favorite things to say. <laughs> yeah. All right. Jules also is back oh. and asking, since you are since you are easy to scare, do you like getting trigger and content warnings? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm easy to scare... But I know what's going to scare me. So if you have a book that's like, that's got kind of a violent haunting, like that's going to scare me probably too much for me to read it. Um, if it's just, if it's like a gentle haunting, that's fine. <laughs> but if there's like blood dripping from the walls, that's that's not for me. Um, yeah, Amityville 
going back to Amityville Horror. Oh, um, I thought Teen Wolf. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, but definitely, I, I specifically ask on my form for uh, content warnings for sexual assault or OCD behaviors. OCD behaviors are particularly because sometimes when I read a book where a character has an OCD behavior, it will um, trigger one of my own. So it's not that I can't read it or I can't represent it. It's just like I need to know ahead of time so I can make sure I'm in the right headspace. Very fair. All right. So Jay has a really good question and it's for both of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you could each make each other read one book, what book would it be? Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Jay's trolling us in the comments. You go first because I don't know yet. <laughs> um, my go-to book I like everyone to read is New Moon by Midori Snyder. Mm, because it is just amazing. If you like Avatar The Last Airbender, if you like Women in Power, like I read the book too young. Because I was like, ooh, Elemental Queens, I want to read it. <laughs> I missed that it's all about colonialism. Mm, yeah. I missed, I was just like, people with powers fighting. No, it's all about like colonialism, like your place in the world. And mm -hmm. it's a whole trilogy. It's no longer in print, but I emailed Midori Snyder about it and she was super nice. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> one book, one book is so hard. Um, let's see. I'm like, I'm like, what would what would Danny enjoy? You you haven't read Iron Window, Iron Widow? Nope. You need to read that one. I think I'm gonna go with that one. It's so good. Iron Widow by Zirin J. Three names. Yeah. Zirin J. Zhao. You got it. Okay. Yeah. Google yeah. helps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, Jules just said, ignore my question. I didn't see Anna. Sorry, Jules. That's fine. All right. <laughs> Laura agrees with me. Iron Widow. <laughs> all right. So we are caught up with all the questions now. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for joining us tonight and hanging out with us and asking questions. And hopefully you got to know me a little bit better as an agent. And um, yeah. Thank you, Danny, for hosting. Thanks for asking me. Oh, <laughs> you know, I love being on. I also just linked my own podcast yeah. in the comments. So feel free to check that out. Available on most major platforms. Yeah, Still you just had Michael Mame on there, who's been on this channel several times. This channel, channel. Agent, QQQ. Yeah. yeah, he's been a lot. Honestly, you'll recognize a lot of my guests if you follow this channel long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Sarah's episode six, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Minimally, go check out Sarah. Minimally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thank you all so much for coming. And everyone, have a good night. Do you want me to do the thing? Yes. Okay. Everyone stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.